Pro football player Travis Kelsey is pressed for time during the football season. So he does two things at once. Whether it's grilling while mowing. Two things at once! Or getting this season's updated COVID-19 shot at the same visit as his flu shot. Two things at once. You can be like Travis and ask your pharmacist about getting this season's COVID-19 shot at the same visit as your flu shot, if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Learn more and schedule at VaxAssist.com. Sponsored by Pfizer. Buckeye Imagination Museum is the destination for whole family fun. Bring all of your kids for imaginative and competitive play. From toddlers to teens, there's something for everyone. Little ones can shop, bank, and go out to eat. And your older ones will enjoy the racing laser tunnel, arcade games, six-person air hockey table, mini golf, and so much more. Grab something from the snack bar and stay all day. Plan your visit to Buckeye Imagination Museum today at BuckeyeImaginationMuseum.org. Halfway between Cleveland and Columbus in downtown Mansfield. Welcome into a new edition of the Going Deep Podcast. Today, we're going to break down the Dolphins game. What's going to happen this week? How's Tua going to react? The snow, 100 degrees colder in Western New York than it was on the sidelines in Miami. We're going to get all into that and more. Some signing, some updates, and some news right back with you here on the Going Deep Podcast from the Cover One Network. Josh Allen, looking deep, going deep. To me, talking about the Bills, what else would you rather be doing? We're hoping to add a, a new dimension to the Cover One Network. Slings it deep downfield, and it's Right now, I just want to talk about this championship level. I've never had a championship caliber team to talk about. I want to focus more on the storylines each week. What are the big stories going on with the Bills? What are uh, thoughts, commentary? How do these things impact Buffalo? Deep drop. Wow, there's 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 a lot to get into, Mike, and such little time as always, Kevin here with Mike to talk Dolphins. Maybe talk a little bit about that crazy environment Mike was there uh, for the first home game in a month against the Jets. So maybe we'll have a little bit to talk about in the Jets game as well. But we're focusing on the Dolphins. We're focusing on the Dolphins also losing to the Chargers in a really disappointing fashion. If you're a Dolphins fan, they look pretty poor in that as well. So lots to break down. A lot of rumblings last night about Cole Beasley. That came to fruition today uh, being true signing on the practice squad for now, and we'll see what happens with there. Bringing the band back together, get out there. I have a giveaway going for a signed Cole Beasley photo as well as a signed, large signed John Brown photo. Retweet that for a chance to win. Want to give it away on my show here, Mike. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's been quite the the last 24 to 48 hours in, in Bill's land on and off the field with what's been going on. We're not going to go into uh, some of it, but – uh, a lot to talk to today about Cole Beasley, Miami week, and then maybe a little bit uh, of a recap going on uh, with the Jets. As always, Dolphins week, want to break it in. No Dolphins guest today. I really haven't found a good one that I like having on the show. I'm just going to be honest. I found some fan type of people that aren't great, and I I just haven't found the right analyst that I'd like to, to be in a mix on our show, Mike. So going to be up to us today to kind of alleviate and kind of get to the game of week three. Uh, back the two-point loss after a safety 
The Bills almost came back and won that game. We're not unable to get it done. Uh, we, you know, I've tweeted many times about the environment there. Uh, I know you're not a big fan of the weather, but it is going to be drastically different. 120 degrees on the sidelines compared to 20 degrees on the sidelines and maybe even colder based on the wind chill and snow and other factors uh, that would be happening this weekend. And then I saw the um, Sunday night football Twitter account actually get down on the, on the weather comp- comprehension, like three hours after my, I did. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, so at first glance, Mike, how are you feeling about this game going? Just just general feeling about the game going in. Are you, you know, they're coming in off of a losing streak, their first losing streak, two-game losing streak. The Bills are coming in off with Tua. The Bills are coming in with a winning streak of four games. Does that stuff matter to you? Are you glad it's at home in that environment? We saw the lackluster performance in the weather last weekend, but during that crazy rain sleet. Um, but I'm a little bit more comfortable with the snow. How are you feeling about this game in total? I'm irrationally confident right now. I actually feel much better about this game than I did about the Jets game because I don't think Miami really is capable of slowing down the Bills when they're when they're ticking properly. I know weather might uh, impact a few things on Saturday night, but if the weather does play a role, it's hard for me to think the Dolphins will do anything uh, mm-hmm. offensively. Uh, Mm -hmm. just because of their limitations to begin with. One of those where, yes, the Bills' offense doesn't play well in poor weather, but you still have a quarterback that can sling it in in any condition. While Tua, you add some wind, you add some some snow, that's really going to limit what Miami can bring to the table. They'll have to start relying on uh, the run game, and that's really not something that's been great for them this year. So if Miami has to rely on the run, and their timing is off uh, with their immediate intermediate passing game. I don't know how Miami is going to put up points, especially when in recent weeks Sam Fran has been able to get to Tua uh, and kind of make him off the mark with his throws. And then the Chargers found a way to take away the middle of the field, and you saw Tua hesitant uh, on the throws to the outside. So I, I feel like Sam Fran and L.A. have given the Bills a little bit of a, a cheat code uh, going into Saturday night. And then you look at how the Bills' defense has recently done the last two weeks. Uh, That gives me a a bunch of confidence. The line being seven and a half points gives me confidence because I always trust Vegas more than I trust myself. And if I have something counter to Vegas, I'm thinking, what am I missing? Vegas and me seem to be seeing this the same way right now. So I do have a little bit of that irrational confidence. And to be completely honest, I don't think the Bills have played – incredible football the last four weeks and they're four and zero in that stretch but what i do think is they're starting to handle adversity better and starting to play that style of playoff football where you just find a way to grind through these games get that w and the way they're playing now actually gives me more confidence heading into january and february than if they were just killing teams on a weekly basis and what's interesting now is the Bills actually dropped a two in DVOA rankings uh, for the first time in, in uh majority slightly, of the season. Barely. Huh? Yeah, slightly barely. by 0.1% uh, D total DVOA percentage. Uh, they are down to two. Um, weighted DVOA, they're at three. So they're, you know, waiting in a couple of other additional factors. But in the, in the total DVOA, they're number two. And both teams are much above the rest of the league. They have double the DVOA percentage that uh, that Kansas City has and triple that of Miami. So there's really a top seven per DVOA. They feel there's a top seven now kind of a kind of 
uh, separating itself, Philly, Buffalo, San Fran, Dallas, Baltimore, believe it or not, Cincinnati, Kansas City. Uh, outside of that, you have a middle tier of Miami, the Jets, and like the Seahawks, Lions, really. Um, they're all kind of in that middle. So Dolphins are closer to that Seattle, Detroit, Jets combo than they are Kansas City in the top echelon of teams. So that's first and foremost an interesting note. Miami's defense is DVOA 17, 31st special teams. Uh, which you know could rear its head in the snow, so we'll see how that looks uh, this weekend. But uh, right now, the metrics you know do have Miami eighth, but a good gap. But you wouldn't think so, but a big gap between seven and eight. Seven's Kansas City, and eight is uh, Miami. But they're way closer to, like I said, the Jets, Seattle, Detroit than they are Baltimore, Cincy, KC, D- Dallas, San Fran, Buffalo, etc. So you know the metrics would would point to that line being accurate per, per Vegas at the seven and a half point mark that looks about right and you know Miami's future schedules you know they still have a lot of work to do especially I mean especially if they can't get it done in Buffalo they still have some work to do so that last game of the year against the Jets isn't a playing game for the playoffs so they still have their own work to do here uh going forward to make sure that they're in position it's uh, not the even a guarantee are, they'll make the playoffs I, I mean not yet it isn't no, now a win for them this weekend, they're in. Most they're they're pretty much. Oh, if they if they lose to Buffalo, if they lose to the Bills this weekend, you're sitting on a three game losing streak. You still have you've lost to all the wild card teams. You still have the Patriots left. The New England is not a gimme for Miami, especially uh, if the the Patriots defense comes to play. So things went from really rosy to pretty scary for the Dolphins quickly. You don't see them. Uh, their fan base on Twitter now pointing to the standings in the AFC East anymore. Um, that's not something that they're having fun uh, pointing to. Uh, when they were tied with the Bills for first place for for a couple of weeks, they they were enjoying the trash talk. Well, the the trash talk is gone now that they had a couple of difficult opponents and they're no longer playing teams with uh, the bottom third in the league in DVOA defense, where they can just easily exploit on a weekly basis. Yeah, and it's really interesting, Mike, you know, um, that, I mean, their DVO, so, you know, people are saying don't overlook their defense. Their defense is actually the worst part of their, one of the worst parts of their team. Uh, they've struggled in stretches, especially against good quarterbacks. Uh, they're actually, like I've mentioned, 17th DVO. It's their offense that's third. Uh, you would, you know, you watched the game most recently on Sunday night. You would have thought, you know, maybe the defense was keeping them around. Uh, maybe, you know, but it really wasn't. It was, I mean, their offense was struggling, but that's that's what's been good this season for Miami. It's been a good offense. They have two good receivers. They say having a good receiver one and a receiver two is really important. As, as you've seen, the Bills try to focus on it. Is it Gabriel Davis? Is it getting something out of McKenzie? Is Shakir going to pop his head up? Um, is it OBJ? Is it John Brown out of nowhere? Is it Cole Beasley out of nowhere? They've been kind of mixing and matching, trying to figure out how to put this receiving core together. Miami has it. They don't have anything behind it. They have a little bit of, you know, Cedric Wilson occasionally, Trent Sherfield occasionally, a River Craycraft. They have they have some names, but really it's a two-man show. And one of them are three and four in DVOA as wide receivers. Dig yeah. number two. So you're right. As Hill and Waddle go, the rest of the Dolphins go. I do want to get to this really quick, Kevin. Are you underestimating the Miami Dolphins? I, I mean, I'm I'm not because they beat us. Uh, they had some things go right. The Bills had some backups in. Um, the Bills still should have won that game. I thought, uh, you know, Tool was okay in that game. He was decent. He had some throws against, once again, one of the weakest part, parts of the Bills' defense for many weeks was Jaquan Johnson, uh, and they, they took advantage of that. Jordan Poyer plays. That might have been the difference alone in that individual matchup. 
Uh, but the offense wasn't really the issue. The Dolphins offense wasn't the issue per se in that game uh, with a few lapses on defense. But the Bills offense, like, I mean, you had digs like on his knees at the end of the game. Like he's not in crunch time. He's not in the game in crunch time. I, I mean, that's how, almost how essentially the Bills lose that game out of 10 twice. That ex- two out of 10. Yeah, that sounds about right. I, I, because that's how I feel. They needed everything to go wrong. Josh Allen had a fumble inside the red zone, led to points. Miami converted a third and long, led to points. Miami capitalized on every opportunity they had in the red zone. The Bills, they went out on downs on a fourth and goal late in the game. They couldn't convert uh, with a minute and a half left and get a a scoring drive in that contest. They had 275-plus more yards than the Dolphins. They just weren't efficient. When they had their and their and their number one receivers out of the game in the number two one wide receiver out of the game, they were dealing with injuries. They were not even close to remotely healthy. You can bring up the heat. I don't want to bring up the heat. Uh, I know it does play a factor, but I don't want to get into that conversation today uh, because the snow is going to be uh, a situation yep. that Miami isn't mentally prepared for uh, this Saturday night. So yes, a lot of things went against the Bills, and they still should have won that game. Uh, week three. So am I underestimating the Dolphins? No. Miami can beat the Buffalo Bills, but it is going to require everything going right for the Miami Dolphins. And that is why I'm saying this weather has the potential to hurt them more because their game is based on that timing. The Bills offense is very successful in yardage and scoring in so many different aspects, even rushing yards and consistent rushing yards because Josh Allen is such a big contributor to their run game. But you know what the Bills offense isn't predicated on this year? Timing. A lot of it is you get open, I whip the ball to you, you catch it, you get the first down. The Bills offense could actually get much better. They did not utilize the middle of the field against uh, the New York Jets when that's been the Jets' biggest weakness this year against the pass game. So am I am I worried about the conditions on Saturday night? No, because I think in the end the conditions are going to hurt Miami because of what they bring to the table. Now, if Miami was a team that could pound the rock, run for five and a half yards per carry, similar to what the Colts did last year, similar to what the Patriots did last year, or the Titans, yeah, I'd be a little bit nervous because their strength wouldn't be as limited as our strength. But in this situation, this weather is going to impact Miami's strength more than it will impact the Bills' strength. And I have faith in the Bills' defense ability to step up, especially with how – They're playing without Von Miller the last two weeks more than I have the Miami Dolphins defense. Miami capitalizes off of being very aggressive and blitzing. That means there's going to be opportunities to get past them. Yes, it hurt the first game of the season when the Bills were missing three starters on their offensive line. But if the Bills get any protection at all, there's going to be opportunities to beat these Dolphins corners and make plays. Uh, assuming the weather isn't catastrophically They bad. were playing Tommy Doyle at guard. Um, yeah, it, there was three injuries. Like, it, they were – that game had so many random things happen. It, it's really hard to take too much from it. Vegas doesn't give a, a team a seven-and-a-half-point favorite because they're just trying to be nice in home field advance. Vegas truly believes the Bills are a much better team than Miami. And there's – um. I forget the Twitter account. There's a uh, an account that goes off, off of the Vegas lines and how much better you are from the average team on a weekly basis. And the Bills are about eight points spread better than the average team in the NFL. Miami, I believe, is around three. 
So Vegas is saying the Bills deserve to be favored by quite a bit in this game, and that's why they are. Yeah, and their offensive line uh, has had its issues too. Like we saw some issues in New York. You're going to see some issues this week too. They had to go off the street and sign Eric Fisher. Yes, the Bills just did it with Cole Beasley, but not at their left tackle or right tackle spot. Uh, and so we're going to see if we see Eric Fisher. We did not see him yet to date. We've seen a mishmash. Taren, uh, Taren Armstead's played injured the entire year, and you know he still plays fairly well at it. Outside of that, you've had historically bad Greg Little, one of the worst uh, offensive tackles in the league, one of the worst pass blockers uh, by all metrics. Then you have Brandon Shell, who hasn't been much better, but he is a little bit better against the uh, uh, you know run blocking. Uh, you know, Liam Eikenberg in and out of the lineup for, for the Dolphins. You know, Robert Hunt's been good. He's been a pretty, you know, one of their better parts. Connor Williams converted to center from guard. Uh, he's been good for the most part this year. Robert Jones has not been good. So, you know, there's some issues there, and they and they are not deep to the point where, once again, they were looking for retirees uh, to play uh, on their offense, along their offensive line. So, you know, they've lost Austin Jackson for the year. Um, um, and, you know, Liam Eikenberg is still on IR. Uh, so we'll see like how that looks uh, going forward at the, uh, at the offensive line spot, but it's been a mishmash. It's not been great. Uh, they've been using a lot of Durham, Durham Smythe in situations, run blocking. Um, and, and, you know, they like that tight end play there from him. You know, Mike Gusecki hasn't been really involved as he could be. Uh, so there's just the offense does run through two receivers. One of them is officially banged up. Will Ty- Tyreek Hill play? Sure. I expect Tyreek Hill to play, especially in this game. If it was a different game and a different atmosphere at a different time of the year, maybe they rest him, uh, but it's not going to be this week. He's got a bum ankle. He couldn't finish the game on a short week going to Buffalo in the cold. It's going to swell up. You know, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but if he, if he plays, he's going to be banged up. And if, at least if it knocks his, his, his trademark speed, that's enough to, to really set the edge over uh, there. And it's just no running game. As you've already mentioned, Jeff Wilson went out with a, with an injury as well. Will he be able to go? They already traded, uh, Edmonds too. Uh, uh, they've already traded him earlier this season as well. So he's out, he's out off the, off the roster and, and now on IR. Um, now you're looking at really like Raheem Moster as their only running back on the roster with Savion Ahmed and miles Gaskin, who, you know, neither have more than 30 or 40 snaps this season. So there's definitely some issues on the, on the Dolphins offense at full strength, even with a mediocre to bad offensive line, it's 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 a good offense as as DVOA will point to. They they mainly can dominate in the passing game. But you've already said it right now. It's going to affect their passing game more than anything. Uh, they're not prepared for this. They're using heaters in LA with a basically covered stadium. Yes, wind still gets in there in that stadium. They do have a covered roof uh, in that like glass LA arena there. Um, it's a strange design, but it works over there. Uh, so I just don't quite see where the Dolphins win right now on offense, especially with some banged up injuries to right running the running back one and Jeff Wilson, receiver one and Tyreek Hill. And two is definitely, I mean, Tua I don't, Tua is a good quarterback. I, he's he wasn't player. good last weekend. Yeah. Um, he, he struggled last weekend and he struggled because he's hurt. Before. He's hurt. He has an ankle injury. And that's, that's it, making an impact. But he's also playing better defenses. The Dolphins capitalize on a lot of weaker defenses. They they ran the scores up. They had explosive plays with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Last two weeks, you played a, a not a really super strong Chargers defense, but a Chargers defense that had a great scheme for what mm-hmm. the Dolphins' offense came with, and they didn't have an answer. They didn't know how to substitute it. Check some of the Twitter breakdowns on the film for what the Chargers were doing in their secondary against uh, against the Dolphins' 
main two receivers. They were getting to the line, forcing uh, Tyreek Hill to to adapt his routes. And then with their leverage, they were basically saying, if you want to go outside, go outside. Try try to get those long completions where Tua has to put a lot of air on the ball. We bet that he's not going to make those throws. And so basically the, the Chargers took away the middle, which forced Tua to adapt his style. And then when McDaniel tried to adjust and have routes geared to the outside that they could take advantage of, Tua didn't release the ball. He held on to it. He he ran a few times. Yes, he got some yards, but why didn't he make those throws? Because he didn't have the confidence to make those throws because those aren't the bread and butter of the Miami Dolphins offense. Yes, they're capable of explosive plays. But the one thing is this Bills defense is truly elite. With or without Von Miller, they're elite. Greg Rousseau now has seven sacks on the season, I believe uh, 10 games, uh, 11 games, somewhere around that. Von Miller had one more sack in basically the same amount of time. Greg Rousseau is getting to the quarterback. A.J. Epineza, not incredible, but five and a half sacks. You're seeing the interior line the last couple of weeks just take care of business. Daquan Jones, Ed Oliver, they are destroying people. And as a result, when Matt Milano, Tremaine Emmons are healthy, they are making plays all over the field. You add in a healthy uh, Tredavious White who played 100% of the snaps, defensive snaps, Last week against the Jets, you have Jordan Poyer, who looks solid um, in the secondary. This defense is coming to play, and I really feel really confident about the Bills' defense going forward. Can Miami score? Can they get get some, some nice quick drives? Yes, they will. But in this contest, I feel, I feel, like I said, irrationally confident about the Bills. That doesn't mean that Miami can't win. Miami can definitely win this contest. Uh, and, and get within a game of the Bills. I'm just not picking it because of you, you factor in all of, all the situations, the Bills offense, the, their defense, how they match up, them being healthier than the last matchup, the fact that they outplayed them the last matchup and barely lost despite a bunch of things going against them. I just think it all adds up to uh, a Bills win. And I'm, I'll even say this, I, I'm thinking it's going to be double digits. It, it's it, it has the makings to be there. Now the question is, let's just like staying on the uh, Dolphins offense for a second here, and we'll switch to this other side of the ball here in a moment. Uh, it sticks to disrupting the receivers at the line of scrimmage. Who did you draft to do this? Who came out to be able to do this? It's Kyrie Elam. Yeah, I mean, will he play? That's the biggest question. If he, I've said this, and. You know, not quite literally, but if he doesn't play this week, what scheme will he play in? When will you feel comfortable going to him? If it's not going to be, if you're always going to play Dane Jackson and or uh, Xavier Rhodes, when would you ever play? And then you're going to get Benford back in, you know, already, you know, a couple weeks. When would you ever play Kyrie Elam anymore? You mean, I mean, you had Frazier basically said we were trying to get him some snaps. Didn't happen. You know, I mean, if you're trying, you would have gotten him in the game. Uh, I, I, I just don't think you trusted his tackling, and, but you had the, your entire team was missing tackles. Uh, maybe you didn't want to exacerbate the issue with with more missed tackles with with Kyrie Elam, but quite frankly, you didn't trust him to play in that game plan. Now you fast forward to this week in a press man situation against receivers that might be either hampered by injury or in situations to where the snow might slow them down. Uh, the, the the benefit will go to the offense in snow, uh, not not rain sleet, not rain sleet. Obviously, that goes to the defense, but the snow you know where you're going to cut and the defense doesn't. 
So the, the, so it does go to your benefit to you in most situations where there's any type of snow accumulation. Now, in a situation where there's no accumulation, that's a little bit different. Uh, but the, wind, the wind being a factor too, though, can negate some of that. If it is, depending on the actual wind gusts, if it's, if it's 15, 10 miles per hour, it shouldn't make too much of an impact. If it does get windier during the elements, that can make a little bit of an, of a, uh, of a factor on the game. And it, and it points to as one of his biggest weaknesses coming out now, then, then recently is, is he can't, he wasn't able to make those out route throws. That's why teams were baiting him to throw in the middle of the field. Like you saw from the chargers, it will only cause a further issue in, in any type of elements, whether it's a wet snowy ball or, I mean, I don't know from Alabama, like, I don't know how much he's played in this, Mike. Like, I really can't point to too many situations. I mean, in his he career. had the game against the Bills where they he had a chance to get a playoff uh, appearance for the Dolphins his rookie year. And the Bills won by 30, I think, that game. So I don't know how cold it was that day, but that's probably one of the colder games he's played. When you play your college football at Alabama, you come from, I believe he was, you know, grew up in Hawaii. Hawaii. There, there's a reasonable chance that he really hasn't played too many games in sub-freezing weather. Uh, maybe a few games here and there in New England or uh, the Jets. That I would have to go back and, and check the, the Dolphins' schedule. But I, I would guess not too many. And some people, it has a bigger impact than others. Some, some people, it doesn't really bother them too much. I just know it – Against you, you add the weather and the type of defense the Bills play, how they're normally good against other teams passing attacks, limiting them. It, it just spells a lot of trouble. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy for the Bills offense to, to coast over Miami either, but it, it, I, I do think weather could be, uh, could play an impact on this game. And we'll see. I know a lot of people are scared about Dane Jackson um, against whoever he lines up against. But we were talking in the cover one chat, even though other teams do exploit Dane and he's had some rough stretches in the middle of the season, Dane does grade out average when you compare him to his peers. He's not this horrendous player that Bill's Mafia has made him out to be. He's not great. He's suspect at times. He does get exploited, but he's basically the definition of average. At this point, I so I do think some of the talk is a little bit, um, a little bit overkill. But we'll of course hear it again if he if he does have uh, a weekday and uh, allow Waddle Hill or whoever he matches up against to go off. It'll be unfortunate because you know Bills fans and rightfully so, and I'll be in this category. I know I will. Will want to get rid of uh, like why is why is he on the field? It was the most obvious situation ever that Dane Jackson might not be the best fit in this specific game over other games. Uh, so you know it'll be a pretty easy like uh, we knew this was going to happen, but you know as we see here, he played the the team played a lot of man the first time they played, and it seemingly worked outside of one Jaquan Johnson play um, where he got beat over the top with with Demar Hamlin by Jalen Waddle as well as in the end zone. I think Poyer makes both of those plays. And then the, the passing game would have been really limited. The Bills feel pretty comfortable uh, in this situation. And thank you, Sarah, so much for this this fact that I didn't know to, to our point. Uh, Tua is 0-4 in 40-degree weather. two versus Buffalo. So, uh, I mean, there's something to that at some point. There's something to the ability to struggle uh, in situations where the weather's bad. And like you said, some quarterbacks are good. But I think the quarterbacks that are good um, are the ones that play in it more, though. I don't think anyone's good playing in it four times in their career. I, I just don't really see that much. 
Uh, it's, it's possible if they had a ton of college experience or maybe maybe even high school or something, but I just don't see uh, situations to where a quarterback just goes and is good in weather that has never done it. But it's just it's just so hard. Like even Josh Allen, like it does take some learning and some and some knowing what you what what maybe plays work, what don't. Like it's it's not going to just come naturally to play in a wet, snowy, windy, cold environment with, you know, DBs doing different things and receivers, you know, getting their footing. Like, it's going to be a struggle if the Bills can take away the middle of the field on Saturday. And late at night, uh, it's going to be a raucous crowd. Short week, Mike, that's underrated. We haven't talked about that. Six days, they're going to need to travel on Friday. Very awkward day to travel, especially on a long West Coast trip. There's definitely going to be some things in this game working against the Dolphins that did work against the Bills in week three. And the the wind is something where so like the snow as you mentioned it might the snow isn't the the biggest concern uh, the temperature isn't the biggest concern we've seen josh allen in sub-freezing temperatures go seven for seven and in, in touchdown drives against the patriots in the playoffs last year um so th- it depends on what type of weather event we see on saturday is it going to be two inches of snow per hour is it going to be uh, windy conditions, or is it just going to be cold? Depending on what we see, that will have a huge impact uh, on what type of game is out there. Because the, the biggest advantage really for, for Buffalo when you're talking about conditions is when it's strong winds. I'm talking yeah. like the 20, 25-mile-per-hour winds. Because an average quarterback, an average arm quarterback like Tua will just not be able to get the ball with precision where he needs uh, in timing. While We've seen the Bills in those windy games against the Patriots on Monday Night Football. Sure, they struggled to score, but they were still able to attempt passes, still able to have yeah. part of that in their offense. The same thing against Baltimore in the, the playoffs where they, they came out passing the, the entire first half. So the Bills have shown in bad weather they are still willing to be aggressive in themselves. A lot of their opponents go away from what they want to do in those Conditions. So if you can make a team one dimensional while still having a little bit of your um, a little bit of your your offense, that's a net positive on your end, even though you're limited. If the other team is limited more. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 website for details. Pro football player Travis Kelsey is pressed for time during the football season. So he does two things at once. Whether it's grilling while mowing. Two things at once! Or getting this season's updated COVID-19 shot at the same visit as his flu shot. Two things at once. You can be like Travis and ask your pharmacist about getting this season's COVID-19 shot at the same visit as your flu shot, if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Learn more and schedule at VaxAssist.com. Sponsored by Pfizer. You're still gaining an advantage in that situation. So we'll see. Uh, it's too early to, to to know what, what it's going to be like Saturday night, but... Uh, I do have confidence with with the Bills, especially if, if there's any way they can make Miami run the ball more than what they want. I think that's gonna that's gonna work out for the Bills. And yeah, Matt Milano's already uh, kind of got to his number in a way um, where you know, they're going to continue to be aggressive when these linebackers play and when Poyer's in the game with these linebackers. The middle of the field's pretty short up. 
Like, yes, you see broken tackles. We, we've seen him pop its head uh, up uh, across the last couple of games, really. So that will, you know, hopefully get fixed at some point. Uh, the run defense has been sound, Mike. The biggest difference on the Bills defense as we transition from the defense is their ability to stop the run, in my opinion. Their pass defense has always been good, um, and it's still pretty good. It's been better. Uh, they've had Micah Hyde. They've had a you know a, you know a full strength tray for longer. I mean, even Leslie Frazier said today uh, that he's would like some plays back. I'm not exactly sure. He got beat early in the game on that third and long to to um, Garrett Wilson that I I think he should have made a better play on. But that I mean it wasn't like anything crazy. Um, and then you know some some plays defensively in the defensive backfield. You know, Taron Johnson's missed some plays too. Uh, he was really good been poor this year. That, that That's one thing that is holding the bills back. Like their tackling has been horrendous. You want to hear something interesting. So DVOA bills, I believe are number four offense, number four defense. Is that, I believe that's correct. Last time I checked um, number two overall. Um, so DVA DVOA has the bills rush defense. I believe at number three, it's been good. We, we talk about how, we're sometimes wondering what the heck is pro football focus smoking. You want to hear some grades here and you're going to be shaking your head when, when you hear these. So overall um, grades, the bills had the 11th graded team for all of the units combined Okay, by pro football focus, 10 and three second best record in the NFL, but the number 11 grade, you look at offense. We know the bills have, Decent offense. DVOA agrees with it. Um, the the yards per game, total points, we know those aren't the best indicators, but the Bills are high in all those categories. Pro Football Focus has the Bills with the number 14, 14th graded offense. And then if you go to defense, Pro Football Focus has the Bills with the number 16th ranked defense. So Somehow the Bills are number four in DVOA and offense and defense. They're number two overall in team DVOA, point one behind Philadelphia. Yet pro football focus has the Bills as the 11th graded team with a defense that's 16th and an offense that uh, I believe I just said 14th. And their tackling grade is a 30.8. They have their run defense at 50.4. I'm just starting to wonder, like, do the people at pro football focus – do they even watch the games? Like, I think they, they're only watching individual players and they don't under like if. How bad are you at your job where you see a team that's 10 and three that the deeper analytics and metrics are all super high on, but your eye test says that they're not even a top 10, top tier team in the NFL? I, I swear. I, I know we always talk about pro football focus and we're critical of them. And, uh, now it's easy, easier to be critical of them because they just laid off half their staff. But what drugs are those people on? Uh, you can't even – I know some of their things are, are useful to NFL teams and some of their, their deeper things are, are helpful, but Jesus Christ. Like, sorry. But like Some of that stuff is just garbage. Yeah, I agree with you, man. Um, and I think it's a total – uh, and so I think they're just looking at individual players and they have no idea how that adds up to a team score at the end. It kind of just equals a team score. And then they're like, Ooh, that doesn't really make sense. Maybe the team defense was better on that specific play, but our individual grades, we got to keep them like where we think they are. They don't really do anything that adjusts, um, uh, for, for, you know, skill 
or for how the team is actually playing. It's just like, I think this guy missed a tackle, therefore minus three or minus one or their, their random metric score that they have. Uh, so like it's just metric has outliers. Like DVOA is really low on the Minnesota Vikings, even though they're 10 and three, but there's, you can even convince yourself. Like there's reasons why DVOA is l- low on the Vikings. They've won a lot of one score games. I think they were nine and zero in one score games entering this past weekend. So a lot of those games, you could make an argument. Maybe Minnesota's closer to a seven and five team than they are a 10 and three team. But when it's a, a thing like pro football focus and, you're they're going against the metrics they're going against the the deeper numbers then i think your eye test is maybe a little bit flawed right and uh there's going to be in this specific matchup i think the bills have a really good um a really good gauge on what they need to do from the first game they played pretty well with backups just straight up you know no excuses but they did they played well for backups everyone's going to say well two and didn't have the ball all game so of course they played good um well i don't even okay um, they, they still played good for the majority of the day. And I'd like to see a more man situation. I'd like to see Tua think a little bit, and he's going to have the challenge of needing to play in this weather that he's never been able to beat yet in his NFL career. Oh, and four in these situations and oh, under 40. I mean, this is going to be one of his worst games ever, maybe in his career. So we're going to see what he's able to do in some situations. I agree when you're playing like the jets or something, it does not really always benefit you. That's it's always different. Like, sure. There are some games and I feel like this is one of them that will benefit you as a team. Others like the jets, the Colts last year, the Eagles a few years ago, they don't bet. It doesn't benefit you ever. It doesn't benefit you in those situations. Sometimes it can work against you um, depending on the game and the game management. If the other team has a good defense, a really good defense, that'll hurt you uh, because now you're not moving the ball. Um, and you know, you're going to struggle to make a difference with this weather. Uh, so it's all situational. It, right. Every matchup makes a difference. So yes, some games, the weather is going to be to your favor. Then there's going to be other games where the weather is to your detriment. So this is a game. I believe it's to their favor against the jets. I would hate this weather because I don't want to be playing a low scoring game with the jets because I know they have the ability to slow us down enough to get that touchdown and win a, a 14 to 10 ball game. While I don't believe the Miami Dolphins can slow the Bills down enough to keep up if the Bills are finding ways to score points. And I do want to address that one uh, question. Have the Bills been playing like a top 10 offense the past six weeks? Well, obviously against the Jets, they didn't. But the Jets are a tremendous defense. I would make an argument that top to bottom, the, the Jets are becoming one of the elite defenses in the NFL. When you have Quinn and Williams, when you have Sauce Gardner, the guys that they have all over the ball, they've been shutting down people all year. I have extremely high confidence in that Jets unit. But I do think the Bills are still playing as a top 10 offense in recent times, despite them having their struggles. Against the Patriots, they decided to have a different approach on offense. They had long, sustained drives. They went out trying to run the ball. They were not trying to pass all over, and they were effective. They took care of business. Against the Lions, they were up and down, but they found the way to get it done when it mattered. They still had, I believe, 400 yards. Against Cleveland, horrible first quarter, horrible start to the second quarter. From the mid-second quarter to the fourth quarter, they were moving the ball at ease. They were getting what they wanted. They didn't always get touchdowns, but they were moving the ball. This Bills offense has had struggles, even the Minnesota game. They, they were moving the ball at ease for, for a good amount of that game and then just fell apart and slowed down. So, yes, I, I do think they're still playing as a top 10 offense. I think what is difficult and, and tough 
for fans to accept when watching this Bills offense compared to previous years is that the offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey, is not scheming up easy plays. So nothing is coming easy for this offense. You're not seeing guys wide open getting simple first downs like we saw in previous years with Brian Dable. We're also overly reliant on Josh Allen having to play hero ball uh, at times. The offensive line is not protecting at a high rate. They are not effective rushing the ball outside of Allen runs against the majority of opponents. You'll have games against New England where they were effective on the ground. And right now they're missing a legitimate three and four wide receiver. So they're overly reliant on forcing the ball to digs. And Gabe Davis, he'll have games here and there. But Isaiah McKenzie, he's a man beater. Uh, he can he can beat man coverage. He's a speedster, but he's a straight line speed guy. So you'll have crossers, you'll have uh, some routes downfield, but he's not going to be what Cole Beasley can be, where he finds a soft spot in the zone. That's what Jamison Crowder was supposed to do. He gets hurt. Now there's no depth. So you're talking about an offense that's being limited by an offensive coordinator that doesn't have the personnel at number wide receiver number three and four, isn't utilizing their tight end that they're paying big money to isn't giving their quarterback time to throw, and yet they're still the number four DVOA DVOA offense in the league, one of the top scoring offenses in the league, one of the top yardage offenses in the league. So, yeah, if they can find a way to get things going, if there are already all these metrics in spite of that, I think they're going to be okay when it it matters. And now you add Cole Beasley, who I do want to talk a little bit about when when we can get to it later in the show. If he is even 85% of what he was last year, yeah, and he knows the offense, that can help, can definitely help going forward. And I do believe they had a good thing going against the Patriots. Josh Allen didn't need to do too much. The Bills ran it down their throats. I think the the, uh, the game plan was great against New England. We'll see that later in the year, definitely, at, in times here with some of these matchups. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be Miami specifically, uh, the Miami defense's best part of their team is their defensive line by far. I mean, you know, uh, the receiving core obviously is one, and then the defensive line's the other. Uh, those are easily their two best features. And now they obviously went out and traded their first round pick. Don't have many picks left for Chubb uh, to to rush the passer. Jalen Phillips has been really good. Uh, so you know, Christian Wilkins is good on the interior. Melvin Ingram. So I mean, they have definitely some some names there that everybody knows. And it is a really good Andrew Van Ginkle has been pretty good for them as well. Um, the interior is not as strong, but still, you know, when you have a guy like Christian Wilkins, it doesn't really matter who's next to him. Emmanuel Ogba uh, is on IR, but, you know, John Jenkins has been good enough for them. Raquan Davis has struggled, but, you know, whatever. And, you know, really Zach Seiler has taken over that position and been pretty good. Um, for the roster as well. So it is a really good defense um, in terms of their front seven. Their secondary is a mess. Now, that's where I thought they'd be strong. Their secondary is absolutely a mess to me, in my opinion, especially without Jones. He's been an IR. It's a long shot to play this year. Xavier Howard's not been his usual self. He's been good against the run. He's been pretty bad elsewhere uh, in in these games. Keon Croson's played a lot. He struggled. Nick Needham's on IR. Uh, He wasn't the best to begin with. They're they're going to a a rookie in Kadir Kahu. Uh, he's been, you know, okay at times in a slot. He's been one of their better, better players, actually. You know, they're on their fifth safety now with Brandon Jones being out, uh, as well as, you know, Eric Rowe went out in this game. He's not expected to play, uh, as well as Elijah Campbell's in a concussion protocol. So they're literally going to play 
um, you know, Vern McKinley at safety with Javon Holland. So there's some issues there uh, across their secondary for sure. You know, Jerome Baker is a pretty good linebacker, but outside of that, I don't have too many issues with their back seven. Their, 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 their front is good again. So the, the Bills will play a good front here in Miami for sure. Uh, and, you know, is it enough to get down Josh Allen? We'll see. I like to think there's possibility that the weather could neutralize some of the, the cuts and the stunts that the defensive line is going to be able to do uh, with their footing. Uh, but we'll have to, we'll have to take a seat. We'll have to see how the elements actually play a role into their pass rushing ability and what the dolphins are able to do as they get after the passer at a pretty high clip. They're one of the best teams in the league at them in new England, actually. The so what impacts the Bills more in this game offensively? Is it going to be the weather or is it going to be what Miami brings to the table? Because having watched Miami the first time around, with their ability to get to Josh and then watching Miami this past week against the Chargers. If I'm the Bills, I'm thinking get a lot of short passes, short, quick looks, get the ball out of Josh Allen's hand. I don't know if you think that that should be part of the strategy, but you saw Herbert on Sunday night. He was completing a ton of passes. He was getting it out uh, quick. They were trying to get him on the move to avoid the pressure, uh, rolling him out. Could be a could be a strategy to to play for the Bills uh, this weekend a little bit. Um, if Beasley is active in this game, hopefully completely ready to go. I don't want to say that I have high expectations for him, but I do think if you just look at what his skill set is, he should be able to help the Bills out in this contest. Yeah, I, I, by all counts, he came in ready to go. He came in day one, ready to play snaps. I don't believe the Bills will bring him in until he's ready. By all accounts of what I've heard, that they bring in a player based on when they're ready to play, not necessarily uh, when they can come into the organization and kind of take some time to get back. Different than an I, uh, than an ACL rehab by by Trey White. It's a situation to where they like to generally sign and use a roster spot, practice squad spot, whatever it may be, when the player's ready to go and in good shape. And they've kept in touch uh, and he came in, obviously everything went well and is expected to, to play. Uh, we'll see how much John Brown only got three snaps last week, but that was game flow. That was weather. That could have been a multitude of things. You consider them the same situation though, because I don't, no. I, I feel like John Brown was an L was brought in purely to be a practice squad elevation because Tanner Gentry had run out of his max call-ups. I don't think that's the case with Cole. I really do think they're bringing Cole in because yeah. they know they have a need uh, at, at number wide receiver number three. I don't know if this week you're going to see a ton of him, but I really do think come playoff time, Cole Beasley is going to be that third option at wide receiver. And then you can have McKenzie be more of a four. Maybe they split split snaps overall, because what has Josh been missing the most this year? To me, it's that safety valve uh, where third yeah. and five, he can just take get get the ball out target him. I don't need Cole Beasley to have 5 million yards a game. If he can get me three, four catches, 30, 35 yards and get a first down, a, a couple first downs. That's what I am hoping for Cole, because that in the middle of the field has just not been utilized. And Okay. Round two, name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
I think that can also open things up for Dawson Knox a little bit. I did see something where the Bills need him in for blocking. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I believe I read somewhere that Knox's blocking rate, I think it's similar to what it was last year. They just haven't been targeting him at the same same volume that it has been in the past. And I don't know if that's part of Dorsey's scheme or if that's Allen um, not getting to him on, on his progressions. But I do think ultimately what the Bills would love to have is this, this, this offense start to get more balance overall uh, to where – not saying they want to be a run first team, but heading into the playoffs where they can feel more confident running the ball when they feel like they need to and being able to dump it off to Cole Beasley on those third and shorts. And then hopefully opening things up for their their bigger target uh, receivers and Davis and Diggs and, and Knox. So uh, I, I do think they're trying to build to something. They're not there yet but they're hoping they can use these last couple of weeks to really to get to that point. And I really think that there is a game script for Cole Beasley in this situation. I do think, like we mentioned, I don't believe their defensive back is, are great. I think quick passes, I think Cole improvising, I think getting open on third downs, uh, you know, you don't go, it's not random that the Bills had their worst third down output of the year uh, in a situation to where they needed to have it in a lot of, a lot of the game. And they didn't weren't able to succeed only converted two first downs against the Jets. Uh, on third down, that's not going to get it done. And now all of a sudden they're bringing in, uh, you know, they're bringing in Cole Beasley to get this done. So I don't think that that's random. I think that the timing was right, both with Cole being ready, his mindset being ready, him being physically ready and the team being ready for him too. Um, three call-ups, which is, you know, there's only four games left, so they don't really need to put him on the active roster until the Patriots game. Um, if they but they also, you at that point. It, it, yeah, because they reset. Right. Yeah. So, Will they scratch him one of these games? They will have to if they want to play him in all four games, though, Mike. Um, so there is a little bit of a pickle on on who um, who do you bring down to elevate Cole is the would be the question. Oh, it'd be Brandon know. Bryant because uh, Phillips would be ready at defensive tackle. Fair. Um, yeah. So, you know, you only have four active receivers. The team started with six. So there are roster spots there available at the um, receiver position. You would have to eliminate uh first off Brandon Bryant for a week. I think it could be done. So uh, especially if he gets going here in the early in these three games, they're going to have to elevate him. Like you're and, not going to then go and unless they don't need him against the Patriots for some reason. That's what I'm saying. It's not awesome. a guarantee. It's not a guarantee. They'll need him at that point. And if Kansas city drops right. a game before then you take care of business against Cincinnati, you could be in a situation where theoretically you could have it wrapped up going into the last game of the season. Obviously not likely, yeah. but certainly a possibility. Um, one thing I, I am interested with Cole Beasley is how long have the Bills had interest? How long have they been talking for? And is this something that just came together quickly? Or was this something that they have been planning for a while? Obviously, the Bills have been tied to OBJ all season. We speculated based on what we were hearing that he was going to come back late November, early December. Obviously, an early return, but that's what was out there. Um, now, as it comes out, he doesn't even expect to play until the playoffs at the earliest. You wonder how long have the Bills known of this this time frame, and did they target Cole Beasley as their next option? Um, we've yeah. heard rumblings that ever since Isaiah McKenzie reached out to Cole and tagged him on Twitter, that the Bills might have had a line of communication, whether that be was it the general manager Brandon Bean talking to him, or was it Cole talking to 
other Bills players to letting them know I'm open to coming back if the situation uh, works itself out. Did Cole reach out? Did the Bills reach out? To me, uh, when I hear the report that Josh Allen played a big role in this, in this, I truly do believe it. I think Josh looks at this offense and realizes there are limitations and that a guy like Cole could be a potential answer to those. Obviously, if Odell Beckham Jr. was healthy and you could grab him, maybe he's the priority. But if Cole was the plan B, I do give credit to the Bills organization and for him for being able to move past the drama of the past uh, year and being able to make this work. Because I, I know it seems like a small thing, stupid little arguments about posts on Twitter and being outspoken, yep. but that does show some emotional maturity on both sides to make this happen. Um, because outside of how things ended, Cole's tenure in Buffalo really was very productive and he was beloved by fans before everything went down. I don't even truly blame him for, for all of it. I do think it was a, a tense climate across yep. the country where uh, unfortunately he felt that his speech was being repressed. I don't agree with that, but I, I understand um, his point of view. And now that that climate is kind of relaxed, I do think it's the right time to move on, get back to the field. And that locker room, you can tell they love him as a player. That locker room, I don't think, was ever impacted. If anything, I think it was possibly McDermott and Bean wanting him to get vaxxed in the past, not because it goes against what Beasley wanted to do, but potentially because it gives them a competitive advantage compared to the lifestyle and things that unvaxxed players had to go through last year. Not to get in that discussion again, but the stuff that happened – I believe you just sweep it under the rug. You acknowledge it happened and then you just move on from it. And none of it was too bad. It was just two people or people, you know, having just different opinions. Um, mm -hmm. And that's, that's, that's okay in a way, if that's what you want to do. And he always was on the, 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 the thinking that he was sticking up for players that didn't have a voice. He always would say that, like, it isn't just me. It's the players that also feel this way. Who've told me this Cole in private and have these beliefs um, that that's always why he said he was sticking up for them. So anyways, as you look at Cole, the player, um, I think there is a role here this weekend on third down. I 100% think that. Uh, John Brown only has one call up. I don't think you'll see him activated to the ro regular roster. They'll let him stay there till postseason if you need him. If something drastically changes, maybe he gets elevated um, to the roster. I don't see anything. I see uh, them holding him now. They're not. I don't believe they're going to call up two. Uh, that means they're going to make uh, two receivers. They're going to need to make someone else inactive. Uh, at some point, this team loves their special teams, and it's finally a really good special team. It's finally DVOA top three. Fine. Use the roster spots now. When you're good, I'm fine with you using special teams roster spots. When you're not, I do not want you taking up roster spots on my offense uh, because you need the 28th rated coverage unit. Not the case right now. Smiley's unit's playing really good uh, outside of you know a block punt this weekend. Um, and a few small blunders here and there. The special teams unit has been really good here. And as I tweeted right before the block punt, um, really more about the return units, that the real biggest difference isn't in the running game. It's what Naeem Hines has been able to do for the special teams and the return game, making it dangerous. So I do believe that that was a huge upgrade for the team uh, to be able to get that done, Mike. So special teams has been great. And we need to get into score predictions. We have Eric Turner coming on here very shortly with his guests. He's going to have a great action-packed show. Um, 
you know, coming on here uh, shortly. So, you know, the Going Deep podcast is going to keep it a little bit shorter today than we normal 90-minute segment. We'll get into next week uh, next week for sure to recap this game and to talk about the uh, Bears uh, Christmas Eve game. So, you know, we'll get into a lot of stuff. We'll have a recap. We're going to have a Bears guest. have someone really good coming in from the Bears to talk for a little bit. And we'll be able to uh, continue the playoff, uh, you know, more, more or less the seeding discussion, Mike, that I want to have next week. Uh, as well, because uh, this week really does put a, put a paints a picture on really talking about seeding. Uh, once this week is complete, we can start to get into it more next week. So really action packed show next week. Please make sure to tune in. Everybody watching, please smash that like button. It means so, so much to us. Uh, anyone listening on demand on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, really appreciate you as well. I want to do a Christmas giveaway next week. I'm going to give away a signed autographed photo uh, right here from the Going Deep podcast for a holiday Christmas giveaway next show so tune in next at seven o'clock and also retweet my giveaway for both the band is back together with john brown as well as cole beasley signed photos mike it is score prediction time um what's going on what are you feeling let's get it on record right now for you yeah so as i said i'm irrationally confident this week i've said that four or five times already tonight i feel good i feel like the bills offense is going to take advantage of this dolphins defense Miami likes to be aggressive. I think that's going to play into their hands. Uh, I look for Cole to have a solid debut. Nothing special, but I do think the Bills are going to be able to have a solid night. It's really hard to make a a score prediction without knowing what the weather truly is going to be. Um, As long as it's um, not somewhat crazy, I'm going to have the Bills. I'll go 30 to 20. Um, If the weather's bad, I'll I'll lower that to 24 or 14. But right now, I'm going to go 30 to 20. Thank you, JW, for the super chat. Go Bills. Uh, and uh, I like their odds of getting a three-game lead in the division and basically wrapping and five, it up. And a five, Mike got them on a five-game winning streak. Uh, really good. Will they complete the eight games needed most likely for the one seed? Definitely going to need seven and one. They'll most likely need that eighth game. Kansas City played some pretty poor football and still was able to beat the Denver team if they play again. I don't know that you're going to get it done, not winning out uh, anymore, but we'll get into that next week. Thank you so much, JW. Really appreciate you uh, tuning in. Go Bills for sure. Kevin's score prediction. Uh, I don't generally predict blowouts, especially in division games. I do think the weather might slow down the offenses a little bit at times, but not this week. I don't think that, I don't think that Tua is going to be able to come into Buffalo and get it done in this specific situation could he catch us week three next year in Buffalo? Maybe. I don't know. There's this possibility uh, that the team is good enough. He is good enough to, to, he has shown that he is a very decent and capable quarterback. I just think in this specific game where the bills can basically win the division and focus on the playoffs and their seating. This is, this is one of those big Sunday night football games that you see like they did against the Steelers a couple of years ago, or that you see, you know, just the, just them really taking advantage in the last final, like you saw against New England last year when they needed to have it, when they lost the first matchup. Similar guys in this game. I think the Bills get uh, take care of business and get it done 34-17. to 17. So I do think that there is going nice. to be some scoring in this game. I do think that uh, maybe even similar to what you saw with the Chargers game, I don't like their defensive backfield very much. Uh, and I do think the Bills have a good opportunity to get right in this game. Um, so... 
it's going to be interesting how it all plays out. And if the weather gets really, really bad, I'm going to have to alter my score prediction. But as of right now, under uh, eight inches of snow. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get a backup uh, prediction in if the weather forecast does. Change. We got to, like, because it, it did affect the game. Ten points, the most in a game in seven years, Mike. So and Kevin, it did matter. Before, it did matter. And before we do go, we do have one last special message from Greg Thompson about our primary cover one sponsor, uh, BetUS. So we're just going to play this quick, and then we'll wrap up after – after Greg Thompson speaks. Hey guys, Cover One is excited to announce our new partnership with BetUS. BetUS has a live wager in on all major games, the best betting variety in the business, and an easy deposit and withdrawal process with the fastest payouts in the industry. Our loyal Cover One fans get a choice between two exclusive offers, either a 125% sign-up bonus on your first deposit up to $2,500, or a free $50 bet with no deposit required. Just use promo code Cover One on the links provided in the show description below. Bet US where the game begins. What a great message there by uh, Greg. Bet US, one of my favorite uh, sponsors. It's a really great site. Get out there, give it a try. And really appreciate everybody tuning into this episode of the Going Deep podcast. We're going to have amazing content still to come with Eric Turner and his team and his special guests coming up right here. Stay tuned right here on the Cover One Podcast Network. 3110, good guys, Michael. I'm feeling you. I wasn't too far away. Mike wasn't either. Uh, feeling good. I don't generally predict division blowouts, as I've already stated, but we may get one, in my opinion, in some conditions that the Dolphins are not used to. And the Bills being fairly healthy, Matt Milano, by all accounts, should continue to be playing. We'll see if Ryan Bates is able to go back to the injury report real quick. So we'll see if Phillips is, is also going to be able to go. But I think the team's in a really good spot. And we really appreciate everybody tuning in for this hour of the Going Deep podcast. We'll be back with more of a 90-minute segment next time, um, next Tuesday, to giveaway, live giveaway. I'll be announcing the winners of the other signed photos based on my tweet. Go out there and give it a tweet. And as well as some guests, some Christmas talk, maybe Mike's favorite Christmas football moment or something. I don't know. We'll come up with something fun on the Going Deep podcast. Yeah, sure. Uh, we'll, we'll come up with something for fun on the next edition, the Jan- uh, the December 20th edition of the Going Deep Podcast right here at 7 o'clock. But from Kevin, that's Mike. We'll catch everybody shortly and stay tuned here for the Cover One Film Room and Eric Turner uh, bringing you some great content right here on the Cover One Network shortly. Josh Allen, looking deep, going deep. To me, talking about the Bills, what else would you rather be doing? We're hoping to add a, a new dimension to the Cover One Network. Slings it deep downfield, Right now, I just want to talk about this championship level. I've never had a championship caliber team to talk about. I want to focus more on the storylines each week. What are the big stories going on with the Bills? What are uh, thoughts, commentary? How do these things impact Buffalo? Deep drop. Deep throw. And it is pulled in for the touchdown. Allen deep to the end zone and caught for a touchdown. Play action. Allen. Deep downfield. Wide open. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Pro football player Travis Kelsey has pressed for time during the football season. So he does two things at once. 
Whether it's grilling while mowing. Two things at once! Or getting this season's updated COVID-19 shot at the same visit as his flu shot. Two things at once. You can be like Travis and ask your pharmacist about getting this season's COVID-19 shot at the same visit as your flu shot, if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Learn more and schedule at VaxAssist.com. Sponsored by Pfizer.